0: Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. A good John Malkovich in that Deep Water Rise. Yes, but doing a dodgy accent. He's yeah. meant to be doing cajun or something, he kind of goes. Digging for all the around. the oil is not coming. And up I want it dug for the thing. I don't know if that's what he says. Just, but it's it, I, I want it dug. <laughs> I, I want you to Drilled. keep dilly, digging D- a <laughs> <laughs> question the other day and i thought i'd bring it to you a little hypothetical for you oh, right please yeah if you if you could thanos snap one of these actors out oh, of existence oh right but you have to choose which one's films from the future you'd like to watch hanks cruise so one of these actors is going to completely stop making films forever which one would you rather see whose films so so so, so, so so because past films remain them, by snapping them no more, no more films. Retire. Retire. So that's a nice one. Yeah, Instead of yeah. turning them to, dust, turn them to dust. Who do I put on a permanent? So all, all their old films are retirement. still there for you to enjoy. But I don't want cool. to see any more new films. You can end either Hank's or Cruz's career right now. Whose career for the next, let's be honest, what, 20 years, if they're lucky? Cruz will, go- will be going until he's old. This is a very good you, question. Whose career do you like the look of more at this very, so let's be honest, like Twilight stage of their career? Do you, no, 12, no, not Twilight. It's, it's not Michael Caine. No, Tom, Tom no. Hanks is like probably like sixty-three. They're, in a, or something. they're both in their sixties. Tom Hanks is like sixty-one. Tom Cruise is at at freshly sixty, and Tom Hanks is probably I won't say sixty, maybe sixty-five. The Adam two Posh. Tom's, the two Tom's. Yeah. I would say it's a very good question, mm. Because I probably here's the thing. Mm. Last week, claro, it, isn't it, was it announced very different careers. So last week it was announced that Tom Cruise's next film will be the lead role in Alexa, Alejandro Iñárritu's, Iñárritu's. Iñárritu, 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 yeah. Iñárritu's new film. And I'm like, aha, that, oh, uh-huh. that's what I like. Because not only are you at the... Tom Cruise is at the top of his game at the moment with the Tom Cruise films. He's, the Top Gun Mavericks, The Mission Impossible. He's a proof of concept to his own, his own formula. But I like the Tom Cruise that does the interesting art films, that does the Me Magnolias, too. that does Me the too. Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah. I I miss that Tom Cruise Me that too. does the Eyes Wide Shut. So, Few good men. If... Uh, thank you very much so if Tom Cruise is open to doing mm. that kind of stuff if we can get some more of those out there I would li- I'd probably see that more now no disrespect to Mr. Hanks no no we'll get to who him who I you know has had a very good very good filmography back, mm. very good back catalogue probably more of a safer easier to sit on back catalogue than probably Tom Cruise has had but I think the very you know, Tom, Tom Hanks has put through a couple of sleepers recently. A couple of... The film, the film The Post really came and went, do you not think? No, I think that film got a huge amount of praise. No one talks about it, it no it, one's seen it. Who are you talking about? It got loads of buzz in the Oscars. No, I don't know anyone uh, who you, talks you're, you're, about it now. If you said to me the one where he's got the robot dog... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one talks about no it now. No one talks that's, about The Post. That's different. We're six Consider- years after. When it came out, it was big news. Because it was was. Spielberg made two films in one year, and it was very big. It was actually big news because it was it it came out the same time that Trump was inaugurated, and it was all about (laughs) post truth, holding truth to power, bringing people making people accountable. And I remember. What else did he put out that year? Ready Player One. Oh wow, he did those within within twelve months. months, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was tight. So um, I would say, so just on that point, I, yeah. would, I would counter that. But on, to answer your question, I would say Tom Cruise, I, I would let him continue. And Hanks, go retire. I'm very happy himself. with Tom Cruise's addition to the action genre of cinema and what he's done yeah. and Mission Impossible. Not, not abandoning it, seeing it through. We've not seen Dead Reckoning Part 2 yet, but I'm sure it'll be great. I'm ready for him to go. Thank you, Action. He's slowing down. He he can't run that fast forever. We don't want a Tom Cruise film where he's like the Indiana Jones Jones, Where he's trying to do the arms high run, but it just doesn't work. And they have to like camel him through the movie like Harrison Ford have to hire an actor to play his legs. (laughs) Yeah, literally. That'll happen. Uh, Um, I think- uh, Because you could do this with any actor. You could actually, it'd be more, maybe less interesting to do it with younger actors. Like you could do like Chalamet Mescal. You could go who's, but at the moment their careers are so open- they can do a hundred like different prefer. things. Yeah, technically, yeah. I don't I feel like they both prefer. do, at least so far, they're both doing interesting, varied work with great directors. It, you could take either. Yes. Yes. I think Mescal. well, Mescal came later. He needs a bit yeah. more variety, but he's yeah. going to get it with Gladiator. I think he's looking forward to Gladiator being like, I do other things apart from be sad and cry, which is very well. I bet he'll be sad and cry. i make, I'll make a, a bet with With, with corn you. Be, in his fingers. Yeah, no, corn, no, and dust shadow. under his nails and blood hanging over sand in his no, hands. I know, Enya. Yeah that song yeah it's a good yeah, one yeah. so um talking about movies and I, I, I find this story funny because it's about how overly invested we get in terms of movies and movie logic yeah my um this story contains a swear word in advance if you're driving the car with children so cut forward um <laughs> do logic. you think know that happens a lot Well oh so by the way i picture a lot of our listeners driving when i in my mind's sure. eye do you um i don't know. do you like picture a picture of default listener because to me, it's ready like on the listener. Why. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't actually. You don't have like an idea of no, our this No, I think, I, think that would put, I, like... I just think they're just kind of they're just kind of around, just doing stuff, just you know, Obviously in they, a good yeah. way. The reality is, you do different things when you listen. Anyway, anyway, so, anyway sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my my uh, friends just started seeing someone, and they were um, watching a horror film together. We're watching mm. Barbarian. Oh you yeah, watch Barbarian. Right. Um, because this, this guys are into horror, and uh, mm. they both absolutely loved it. Uh, again, and Barbarian's great. And yeah, which, which is fantastic. And um, uh, this isn't a spoiler for Barbarian, but um, this guy <laughs> said to my friend, they're talking about it afterwards. He's like, that was great. And you know, wow, like that is, that's so brave of her as well. Because like she she was able to get out at one point and like she could have run free, but like she decided to go back. And like, wow, that's so brave. I just don't think I could have done that. And my friend was like, well, yeah. You see, if she hadn't have gone back There'd be no fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, like, I hate so to brave break it to you. The yeah, to write and like, that. It's not a documentary. Like, <laughs> if that didn't happen, it would have been cut. That would have been a and 30 minute movie. Uh, and Neo took the blue pill. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought it was really funny. It's like, yeah, of yeah. course. You're wrapped up in it. Yeah. <sighs> Welcome be- to episode sorry were you we about to say anything was the same thing you were saying welcome to episode 117 the big one this year big big one this week film big film release probably the biggest film release of 2024 which is interesting because yeah. we weren't meant to have it this year no do you part pushed. two originally coming Very out pushed. in october 2023 pushed because the strikes delayed strikes you know with all now. those actors you're not gonna not that the, the, the press tour oh that these guys have been on mexico somewhere else Continent, continent here, there. Outfit, three PO with nipples on the dance floor no, with, with no the, nipples. With actually, yes, that's right. You're looking for you them. Sh- you shouldn't have been looking, looking James. You well, uh, <laughs> said, no, I think you to be looking for them, but there's nothing to see. There's nothing to see because it's tasteful. It was a tasteful on the premiere. Every time I scrolled on like a pic- uh, video of you know them lot at, at the premiere with the sand, mm. just gave me all the anxiety. Too much sand. Sand? Really? First of all, you get. The, you, Ordering sand, delivering sand is yeah. so heavy, yeah. really hard. Yeah. It's going to get everywhere. Yeah. You, there's no cleaning it up properly. No. You never 100% clean that Unless up. Unless you hose it, you could really hose it, but then you get, you you get it, you in the air. Oh, shit. That's it. That yeah. is it. it. it literally, what, it's coarse, it's dirty, it gets everywhere. <laughs> as Anakin said I think, I think Zendaya and, and Chalamet are going to be tipping out their Prada boots at the end of the day and sand will just be pouring out and the funny thing is if Zendaya got any sand in that suit how do you get that out? Game over. Walking around like a like a walking sand timer. Yeah. You know if you just turn her upside down just... how long's the movie? We'll turn her upside down and see how long we have to last <laughs> Brolin just grabs <laughs> her by the ankles There She's we go She's on the <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. This is episode yeah, 117, June it, part 2. Here's how this is going to go. As if people who listen to our show know, this episode will be spoiler free. We're no going to give our pure thoughts the uh, by the time this comes out, the it won't the film actually won't be out yet in the UK, but we'll be giving our thoughts nonetheless. Then Later on in the week, I think on Friday, we're going to put our spoiler review of June Part 2. So if you've seen the film and you want to hear some more plot-detailed specifics, please go to that. But either way, this is going to be spoiler-free, so if you haven't seen the film, yes. do not worry. This is good for you. So James and I went to see it last week at the uh, at a preview screening at the Leicester Square IMAX. Big screen. It goes without saying, you have to see this film on the biggest screen possible. But oh, what we're yeah. going to do is we're going to begin... Because it's been two, two and a half years since yeah. the first one, with a little discussion, a brief recap about June Part 1, a little yeah. pricey and what happened in that. So to refresh your memories before we go into June Part 2. Can I just say before you go into it, that watching Part 2, and Part 1 as well, but just coming out of Part 2... It really reminded me how the DNA of Game of Thrones is so clearly coming from Dune. Like in the literal language oh, of House, Dune, yeah. House, House Insert Family, House Atreides, yeah. House Harkening, and then like the plot, like the idea of an insurrection of a family's mm-hmm. house to the throne, mm. and people plotting and the politics. Yes. And it just it was like, oh my god, of course, this is Game of Thrones, but it's, it's sci-fi Game of Thrones. I also think it's important when people watch Dune remember that it was published it predates star wars 1965, i think predates star one. wars i think just about predates star trek yeah or if not concurrent with star trek and seminal predates sci-fi really predates 2001 as well it's yeah. absolutely similar one of the, the, it is the uh most uh, is the the highest selling science fiction novel of all time yeah the first yeah. one dune by frank herbert so um it's a lot to get into, but I I, I do absolutely see the the, the whole myth building and separately. George's going to go into part one, but if you want to hear our raw thoughts from June part one, please go back to 2021, scroll on the old. Uh, I mean, I, on I, the I, old I just had a little look at back. It, the the titling and the way we did the show in so episode different. six. Is very, very different. Side hobby. uh, It's almost like a nice time caption. We've always said to each other, if we're not looking back at our early content and cringing, then we're not growing. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, grown. Please enjoy the cringe of our earlier episodes. Yeah. Have a little flashback now to a little moment from 2021, a little recap of what we were Mm -hmm. talking about with the first June, and then we'll talk about it right here. So over to 2021, George and James. So I'm going to hand over now to George and James in In two years' (laughs) (laughs) years time. (laughs) So over to you guys. Yeah. Let us know what you think. What do you think we look like? Jesus Christ. We look like Stellan Skarsgård. If we keep eating the way we do now, we're going to look like Stellan Skarsgård in June. And thank you, George and James, in 2021. We're George and James in 2023. Good to hear from you guys. Keep going. Keep posting. How much younger you look. You're going to get an audience in like four months, I swear. <laughs> yeah. George didn't even live in London at that point no yeah remember oh i was having to go back to old, old old ding yeah anyway just post that clip of the louis through impression that you'll get and, like and it'll, three it'll people happen. listening so let's do a little recap on june part one mm-hmm. do we so i think it's worth saying that so james and i saw that in the cinema then and then i i re-watched june part one the day before uh we went to see part two last week and well i've done. also re-watched it again this weekend because my just girlfriend dooning. and my mom really wanted to see it and um I think my thoughts at the time were a little bit reserved. I think I was kind of blown yeah. away, a little bit uh, fumbled and mumbled. But I overall got a much better experience yeah. out of it. So, just a recap: what happened in June, Part One? Well, you have eight thousand years in the future. It is the time of the Imperium, uh, an empire overseen by the Emperor, a character we do not meet in the in Part One, but a character we do meet in Part Two, played by Christopher Walken. You have. The planet of Arrakis, a hot desert planet, which is uh, the natives of this planet are called the Fremen, the people who live in the desert in still suits that recycle water and they've adapted to living in the desert and it is their land. And the reason everyone loves Arrakis and wants to go to Arrakis is because um, of Spice. Spice, which is termed in, in part one as the most valuable resource in the universe. It's sort of this kind of amber-coloured dust that is in with the particles of sand. So if you sift it through, it kind of glows in the sunshine. Mm. And the reason they want Spice is that it powers the interstellar travel of spaceships. They realise without that, interstellar travel would not be possible. Mm. It also is this, like, hallucinogenic, this life-giving also property. to smoke it. Yeah, it's cool <laughs> to smoke it, and it gives the Fremen the, their characteristic blue eyes. Yeah. Okay, mm. We begin June with... Um, House Atreides overseen by Oscar Isaac, his son, played by uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet, Paul mm-hmm. Atreides, uh, his, not his wife, but his concubine, his partner, uh, Lady Jessica, played by Rebecca Ferguson. House Atreides is being asked to be the steward of Arrakis. This, Arrakis was formerly under the control of the Harkonnens, who all wear black, are all shaved heads, and all have chronic alopecia by the look of it. Yep. Um, they are overseen by the Baron, and their leaders include R- Raban, played by Dave Bautista. Mm-hmm. Uh, they controlled you know, uh, Arrakis for almost a hundred years and it became immeasurably wealthy as a result. Mm-hmm. And the, so they're saying in the film is that the emperor saw how wealthy they were getting and thought, I don't like that. I think it's time for the Atreides to go in. But meanwhile, the Harkonnens go, no, I think the emperor's put the Atreides in because he's setting them up to fail because he also doesn't like the Atreides. And also the Harkonnens and the Atreides have been at war with each other for centuries. Yeah, hundreds they do not of like years, each other. No. So the Atreides arrive on Arrakis, they are stewards of Arrakis but it's very, very tense because they feel like they're walking into a trap because the equipment doesn't work they, they need to get spice production back, back up and they're aware of the kind of political movements around them. Meanwhile Paul is having visions, these dreams of Arrakis, a planet he's never been to of this woman, this girl walking through the desert towards him with blue eyes. He sees just. Dis- Conversations with members of the Fremen, a people he's never met. He sees visions of Duncan Idaho, his friend, like slain in battle. He's kind of tormented by it. His his mother, Lady Jessica, is a member of the Bene Gesserit, which are a religious order who have been around for thousands of years and steer power from the shadows. They they are power brokers and they they support all the great houses, but they are basically have their own designs as well. At the beginning of the film, there's a test where... Um, uh, Paul is put, you know, puts his hand in the box. Charlotte Rampling puts the needle to this thing, mm. and basically, it's revealed that there is a great prophecy about um, the the one from the outer world. The, uh, um, for thousands of years, that Benny Gesserit have been crossing bloodlines and strategically marrying people to bring forth someone who has a powerful mind, a mind strong enough to bridge space and time, and will r- unleash a power. Uh, hitherto, our name known. is paul <laughs> well they think his name's paul you know they, 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 and what paul is one of the prospects mm. they think will be him they think he's he's either this character this um Quizitch hadarak is is either about to arrive or he's already here and it's clear people they, people think it's paul and lady mm. jessica's like i think it could be my son as well and paul's like hey i i don't know man like mm. i don't know if i want that and they go to arrakis and the people of arrakis see him and they call him the Lasan al-Gahib which is their term for mm. this 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 prophecy and he says this is all propaganda this is all mm. this is all Bene Gesserit propaganda and she says no this is you're the chosen one anyway things kick off the Harkonnens attack they wipe out the Atreides except for Paul and his mum Paul and his mum manage to escape into the desert hide with the Fremen at the end of the film and at the end of the film very crucially you get uh, a knife fight between Paul and one of the Fremen called Jamis, which is interesting because the whole time Paul has been dreaming of Jamis and dreaming of a friendship they had, and yet their encounter ends in a knife fight in which Paul kills Jamis. And it tells him two things. It tells him that uh, not only is do his dreams come true because he's also met Chani, mm-hmm. the, played by Zendaya, so mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, here is the girl I've been seeing." But it also tells him that his, not all of his dreams can come true. That his prescience is not necessarily predetermined. Sometimes you just tripping. Sometimes you just be <laughs> tripping on that spice. Mm-hmm. But he that that he does actually have a, have an influence on his own future. Mm-hmm. It's not a predetermined. And the film ends with them going off with the Fremen to learn the ways of the desert, to harness desert power and to hopefully eventually seek revenge. That is in essence what happens in Dune Part 1. And mm-hmm. it's worth saying that in Dune Part 2, it is carries on from the moment straight, the, straight afterwards. Now we'll get to our thoughts on Dune Part 2 in a little bit, but that's essentially Dune Part 1. And I just want to say, I don't know what <laughs> uh, whatever mixed mumble jumble I thoughts I had in 2021, yeah. but I can definitely say that I on rewatching it. got so much more mm-hmm. out of it and I really, really rate it now, the first film. I really do see it. you've as, now seen it right before part 2 and, and now after, after, after part, part 2, two. now and i must say from that introduction to two part 1 you've definitely just seen it twice yeah, yeah. Have, yeah. Like, yeah. jesus christ that was really <laughs> well, well, i mean you. great great resource. Thank well, you very much if for i doing can't do that to see it twice yeah. Then, yeah. yeah i'm that kid in the seminar who's <laughs> yeah. like please um but i want to say something i've talked about on this show several times about how i will often re-watch a big film with subtitles on yeah. i talked about Recently. it with oppenheimer and it was immeasurably invaluable and I did that when I watched Dune part one. And I think I really recommend, not only do, should you absolutely re-watch part one before you see part two, I personally recommend use it watching it with subtitles if you are an outsider to this world, if you're not brushed up on the books or whatever. Because yeah. there are details and information that is given that is, is not necessarily obscured or hidden in the original viewing without the subtitles. But it's more like in part one, there's a scene where um, Paul first gets in contact with the spice. It's just before we first see the- Great the scene. Yeah, just before we first see the, the sandworm, and he has this hallucinogen, and you have these whispering voices all around him. Now, when we first saw that in the IMAX, great scene, amazing. Okay. But if, even if you watch it in the IMAX or on Netflix, you can't actually hear what they're saying. Mm. But if you watch it with subtitles, they're saying, Quizach Haderach has arrived. You are basically the Quizach Haderach. It's time to ride. Yeah, and totally I'm going, oh, that's well i know what that is now because that's the thing charlotte rampling said earlier and it just yeah. gives you so much more detail that actually makes you appreciate the the real depth of frank herbert's writing yeah and it, there was there are quotes in the first dune that i had to write down that i thought that was really really good and i'm so yeah. glad i did that um but i also was able to appreciate the visual storytelling as well yeah but i just i it's not watching a film with subtitles is not uh you know there's nothing wrong with it it's not like Cycling with stabilizers. It's very experience. I think people need to remember that outside of the English speaking world, like mm. most of the world watches films with subtitles in. There are parts of the world that yeah. watch films with subtitles with two different languages yeah. on, on the screen. And, you know, it can, it's actually something they recommend at film school to watch a film with subtitles in mm. so you see the beats of the story and everything. Like lots of foreign language films, you might watch 50% of it in subtitles. Don't That's it? never taken away from my experience. Like Anatomy of a Fool, 50% exactly. of that film o- is not in English language. Honest, yeah. I'm not like missing out on any cinematic quality of it at all. Watching a film with subtitles can only enhance your experience. Yeah, I do it a um, lot. The, the only exception is if it's like a wall-to-wall laugh-out-loud comedy and you don't yes. want to see the jokes coming. Before yeah, you don't want to like re-watch Peep Show with subtitles. No. Because you sort of, you want to re-experience it for the first time. Yeah. time and, and get the jokes that you weren't ready for. But the reason I was able to explain like I just did when I said about the Lasan Al Ghaib. Well I basically <laughs> read have it read, read it. So when they arrive in Arrakis yeah. and they're all shouting Lasan Al Gahib, I was able to see that word. Because outside of subtitles that, that word is abstract. Yeah. I've got no grounding for that. So when we see part two and they start talking about the Lasan Al Gahib, I'm like, mm. I know what that is. Yeah. Anyway. But I really rated Part One. Mm-hmm. Did you also saw it, rewatched it recently. Any thoughts? Yeah, I would have rewatched it within five months ago, but on a plane, so like pinch mm. of salt. But I did, you know, I did watch it and get another sense for it. And I, ha- you know, I, f- I feel the same. I think it's a beautiful film mm. that's such a, so well realized. I, I, my main takeaway is that film's taken so much of the exposition heavy lifting. Y- mm. You're reminded by how much heavy lifting it has to do. And my impression was. I hope part two can just run with it. Yeah, That's what I thought about it. I also think you and I spoke about how once part two comes out, it makes part one make much more sense. And also like, yeah, just, yeah, totally. and it is, and it's worth saying now that really this is one film split into two yeah, or, or a mini series, really. Anyway, that was part one. That was a little recap. I hope we're all, hope Refresh. We're all you know, we've um, spiced our appetites there yes. ready for part two. So should we get into it, James? Part two coming into it. We pick up, as you said, straight off the end of part one. Paul Atreides is in the desert with the Fremen. He is getting to know Zendeo. He opens the film actually, continuing to have dreams in the night of things that are yet to happen. He very much has this sort of uh, culture clash with those in the Fremen. You've got Javier Bardem's character, who is almost this like Bedouin Russell Brand, who sort of <laughs> this conspiracy the- oh, not in that way, a yeah, conspiracy theorist so sure that Paul Atreides is the second coming, he is the Nissan al gaib much to the dismay to many of the other Fremen who do not trust an outsider, who do not believe that he is the one to lead them. Meanwhile, in the capital city of Arrakis, which is Arakeen, right. uh, the Harkonnens are now ruling with a ferocious violence and impatience. They are desperate to start successfully mining spice mm-hmm. in the desert, but the Fremen are much more in control of that area and are taking down the Harkonnen units uh, uh, as they go other things you need to say are that we've got the development of the baron harkonnen's nephew played by austin butler who is this maniacal violent age age similar to paul atreides fade rother, fade rother who is basically this 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 undercurrent this violent undercurrent between Uh, Dave Bautista's character and Selen Skarsgård's character and you have this separate dynamic happening with Florence Pugh and Christopher Walken Which I think if you watch the film you can sort of discover that for yourself and and find that out. The rest really is Really to be discovered. Mm. I don't really sort of talk more about that other than you've got the Harkonnen's ruling in Arakeen Paul Atreides is with the Fremen trying to work his Mm. way back to retake Arrakis for himself. Mm. That is the plot of June, Part Two. Mm. George, we waited two years for it. Yeah. It was big, epic. We saw it in a fantastic screening. I, I, there were multiple times in that screening I thought, "Are we in 4D?" <laughs> because the rumble and vibration yeah, of my chair was, was going. Yeah. Whether it was an engine, a sandworm, yeah. a, a crowd, mm. just rumble. Yeah. My my chest was vibrating yeah. like a like a boombox. It was in a you know huge like probably 700 seater screening that yeah. has. Um, 700 would you say is that accurate probably who knows but it was every seat was taken oh yes yeah, so you every get these... seat was full. and what's great sorry about press screenings yeah. is that everyone has to put, turn their phone off and put it away otherwise yeah, they oh, get fantastic. thrown out fantastic. so everyone is focused everyone has switched also it. like we get invited to we've been to a few press screenings now in that screen and there's usually like a decent demand like we did napoleon there and the yeah. flash which didn't have much demand but this was the first time you were running a bit late i was like george like demand is high yeah. queue is long they said there's two screens and when there's an overspill of the imax one they're going to fill out the <laughs> other one people were manically trying to get Seats. The queue was snaking out around Leicester Square. It was quite tense. Yeah, very tense. But we, we made it. it, we saw it, we got there. George, June Part 2, coming out of that film, how did you get on with it? Um, genuinely, Yeah. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Really, really, genuinely blew me away. And um, it's quite funny because we... I think it was in last week's episode how I talked about like when I first see a film, I'm always, you know, reserving a little bit for the next time. I never give a film like a five stars on Letterbox on the first viewing, yeah. that kind of thing. But we stumbled out of that and y- you were starting to talk to me and I had to say, I'm sorry, <laughs> James, I, I actually, I actually can't it. quite talk to you right now because I'm genuinely blown away, which I don't really have. I, I love that feeling. I, I think it's um, like magnificent and I was almost speechless and I think it's a like a fantastic achievement. Of mm. great vision, and it walks this line of balancing um, depth. Uh, it delivers depth and detail, but it, in a way that's enough to entice you and thrill you, mm. but never enough to alienate you. It's never enough to, to push you away, and it's really chopped, it, it's really chopped full of detail. Um, you mentioned the dramatic dynamics there between like the Harkonnens and the Fremen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the key ingredients that makes this yeah. work because for all its spectacle, underneath it, you have so many knotty dramatic dyna- dynamics between the many different characters. And I've just written down a few. There's tension between Paul and his mother, Paul and Chani, Chani and Stilgar, yeah. the two wings of the Fremen. There's Raban and the Baron. There's Raban and uh, uh, Fade Ratha. There's Fade Ratha and the Baron. Yeah. There's the, the Baron and the Reverend Mother. There's the Reverend Mother and the Emperor. There's all these balancing tensions throughout very well which realized just yeah absolutely just keeps you hooked in which i think is great um i thought about this when i saw part one again but when i thought saw this on the big screen just the breathtaking design and vision mm. there is the the visual storytelling that he is doing i i know i said i watched it with subtitles the first one if i could uh, if i watched both of these films on mute you would also be able to get an indication mm. of the story and particularly the the visuals that he chooses villeneuve is that the they are so textured, the textural palette of it. Yeah. You, you know, the, the coarseness of the sand, the, the smoothness of the metal, the chunkiness of the armour. That Genuinely, I feel like if I length forward and licked the screen, I'd, I'd feel it on my tongue. Mm. And he uses very, very, this particular visceral palette to provoke quite an interesting um, primal response in the way you regard things. So like with Fade mm. Rother, that when we first introduced him, I am quite sickened by his presence because it's mm. shot in infrared in this black and white, Basically SM dungeon with lots of black leather. Mm. Also, this film, I believe, is a PG, quite a few bits of throat cutting in this Lots of throat cutting. And, and, and sort of slightly gendered throat cutting as well. A little bit Blade Runner 2049 in that respect, which also yes, had a little bit of um, yes. a, uh, you know, subservient woman. Disposable as immediate like yeah, violence. Not, not a great track record there for Villeneuve. But anyway, um that sort of element comes contrasted with the floaty um ad. sorry that sounds insulting i mean it, 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 it fantastic way of paul and channy in the desert and you're just getting this like really sort of like uh um primal visual material and it kind there was times when i actually reminded me of when i first saw like interstellar in, in, in the imax yeah. and i just thought oh i am i am just Breast, surrendering m- surrendering myself to yeah. the majesty of this science fiction i think it is uh terrific i think uh the performances are all great as well but basically i think it's big bold bombastic filmmaking that is also meticulously designed and very very precise in its decisions and i applaud Denis villeneuve for what he did i think bravo i i thought i was really really astounded i gave it five stars straight away it's interesting when we just reference like the things that pre- this this film, this novel predated mm-hmm. and what it represents as a science, science fiction story and how many things have come after yes. it, right? Because when I, um, my sister asked me what's good and I said, just saw June part two, it's great. And it's not her film at all. But when she asked me to explain a little bit about it, her brain immediately switched off, which is totally fine. Mm-hmm. But basically what this film... To look at it, if if this was made by a lesser filmmaker, you could look at this film and you could go, and you could go by numbers, hero's journey, mm-hmm. very staple characters, yeah. dynamics you've seen before in other IP, aka Star Wars, yes. aka games. So it's like the list could go on. But there was a moment I, I I was immediately loving it. There was a specific moment, and it's the it's the Austin Butler sequence that happens in the middle of the film. I want to say it's a 20 minute sequence that introduces who this character is, shows you what he's capable of, and it's all shot in black and white. And the the design of it, the spectacle, yeah. and the way in which it completely takes your breath away was so well done that it would be so wrong to say this is just style over substance. Greg Fraser, as a cinematographer, one of the most exciting cinematographers work right now, coming off the Batman and doing this, and I think like being the chief consultant on the creator, like just incredible. Him and Denis Villeneuve have this wonderful trick of capturing scale of the the, the shot never quite being able to fully show the entirety of its environment. So even though it shows you enormous scale, you're always filling in the rest with your imagination and what you're, Already seeing is just breathtaking. You're like, oh my god, this is so overwhelming. And I thought that Austin But Austin Butler sequence was so well done. I'm like, this is how you tell a story that's very familiar to audiences, but told with such amazing artistry and Mm. afterthought that with every single frame, as you said, there's so much to take out of it. Kind of like how I saw Blade Runner 2049. I was expecting a Force Awaken style follow-up to the Blade Runner, but actually I thought Blade Runner 2049 was totally competent in its own right and stood alone as its own piece of science fiction. Mm. Uh, I think it's brilliant performance. Everyone is going for it. I particularly think um, Rebecca Ferguson was wonderfully slippery and complex and not generic. You could so easily have a female character that fall into very generic territory. Florence Pugh similarly every scene. I'm listening to to every single word. Um, Yeah, I I think what you said, that's actually the heart of it with, with Rebecca Ferguson's performance. is like in lesser hands, the whole thing could look very generic. Uh, a Christ-like figure, a prophecy of a second coming. Yeah, like you've seen that you know, before. You, we have seen it before, but the detail and the yeah. complexity of every single—that's that, what, what I said about the meticulous design of everything. Yeah, has been so well thought and well thought through, from the dra- dramatic dynamics between people to the performances. I thought Austin Butler's performance was great. Oh, he's so he's good, really good. Y- you, at can, this. you can you can eye roll the Austin Butler going all in on a really intense character, but it's he's Brilliant. so good. He to- he totally earns the intensity that yeah. his character has. Yeah. That I, that twenty-minute sequence, I thought was breathtaking yeah, yeah. and all the sort of like you know fascistic marching in in line yeah. like through the thing. architecture and denival nerve films oh, wow. is just wow. always you can totally see any of those things yes. go straight into blade runner which yeah. is totally like yeah. or even Arrival. Yes, yes yeah, like you absolutely. know the, the design of the ship yeah, just yeah. all of it is immaculate and and lovely like sort of that yeah. spiraled rule of thirds I, so so good and, and uh as with part one, there are moments that are, are, yeah, really fearsome and you really kind of feel quite threatened. That's the thing for, for, yeah. work, for is a film because ostensibly is a PG. Um, I think the last half an hour, I was just like, I was completely blown away. It's it was really stagnant yeah. and it really... Um, I, you know, I, there are were, there were a lot of dramatic turns, but I was with it. I was following it, yeah. and it gets this conclusion. I was like, wow, the stakes are high. Yeah. This is really important. And the way you're visually showing it is, is amazing. And mm. it's uh, pure like cinematic experience and it, the highest levels. Like, this oh, is this. It really is. And it, like, you know, we usually equate that with like junk food films, comic um, books. It's yeah. like, this is, no, this is, is, is not or like, you'd say Nolan's doing the same thing, but like, this is totally earning its right to be the yeah. biggest story in TV. Because someone said to me the other day, like, oh, do you think they should have? done a tv show i want more and i'm like yes it can make a fucking good tv show but look how good yes. that cinematic experience was and what you got out of it and that's why i say bravo because with dneville nerve he took a gamble he made the first one as part one he could have yeah. made he could have put it all into one film but he took mm. a gamble and said there was no they, they hadn't commissioned a sequel no. he just said i'm gonna take a gamble. i'm gonna make half the movie Half the book. I kind of understand that though, because yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's and complex, it works, and, and, and people might not take to it. And so, and now we're getting the second half of the book. And it is worth saying that this part one and part two are is the first book yeah, of, of it, six, yeah. but it is the first book of June. And um, like that, it, yeah. The, the the gamble to do that is is it completely pays off. And you're right; it could have made a TV, television series. And if you break it down in hours, this works out about as about sort of six seven hours worth of of TV if you would do it as a mini series, right? If you were to chop it what we have these two films yeah, into at like 5 5 2 5 and a half. well this two, is 2 2 hour two, 2 and a half hour films this is about 2 hour 45 so <laughs> I was nearly six <laughs> I I didn't it's five. I did get an <laughs> A at GCSE maths but yeah. um there's didn't go any a. further yeah <laughs> yeah um anyway but um uh, but but I'm glad that they didn't because for mm. the for the very reason that the delight we get is so much better because we get a true cinematic experience. Yeah. I just say real, real cinematic experience. I'd say one of the only things I, well, there's a couple of things I, I may, maybe would take away from it, but I could have done with so way more Harkonnen all the oh, politics yeah, of them yeah. hanging out in Arakeen and yeah. power slipping from one person to the other. I thought they completely stole the show every time they yeah. were on screen. I actually could have done with less Fremening, maybe. Yeah, maybe had Les Fremen. Fremen. A little bit sort of, yeah, I get, I get this dynamic and it yeah. will change. But the Harkonnens, man, visually they just look brilliant. Yeah, maybe less is more though, that's the thing. Sure, yeah, probably. But that's maybe when I want like a whispery Game of Thrones season of oh, people yeah. whispering in corridors and is the moment when Leia Seydoux has mm. sort of an interesting part to play and the walking through the corridors. Mm. I could have just had Ooh, more and more and more. They and stole the show in the more um There's much more Charlotte Rampling in this as the Reverend Mother. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good as sort of speaking behind the veil of- Veils uh, are creepy. Oh, oh veils yeah, so creepy. creepy. And um, the, I, the, whoa, what was I gonna yeah. say? It's sort of like a cross between religious grandeur in architecture mm, yeah. and like engineering technology. yeah. And it's sort of like the Vatican, and Designed like a, by a H- Swedish H. museum, yeah. Hr yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giger had a baby and made a film, yeah. And they just went, "Is this big enough? No, more bigger." Like, like, there's, a, there's that wide in Austin Butler's Gladiator scene when you see all the harkeners yeah. just going at each yeah, other, yeah, shaking yeah. each other, looking with like violence. the uh, the people from Prometheus. Yes, yeah, but, yes, Prometheus too. The yes, lots of engineers were they called? Yeah, yeah, the bull yeah. ones and that. Yeah. The um, I think uh, in terms of my, my thing, I uh, I would say there's probably. I think I noticed three occasions in which I was like, "Oh, I can see that you've condensed information here." Yeah, I know. What well, you they mean. kind of there was like a bit of a jump, and I'm like, "Oh, we, oh, we've moved on. Yeah. Okay, we've moved on," and I'm just going to assume that that was all dealt with, and that's yeah. fine. I think there's small things like it's not a spoiler to say that Josh Brolin is in this movie. He's been he's prodigy. on the poster. On so, the poster. Yeah. I think his presence in this movie. As great as it is, is is explained a little bit too quickly, and I thought. Yeah. But you, I saw I, last time I saw you, your yeah. odds didn't look that good. I would have been would have provided you to explain that a little bit better. But um, I think I think I think I take away from it, but you know, based on my first point about it earning its right to be so stylish, I sort of half take it away. Is that you have a? You know, we can talk about this in the spoiler cast later, but we have plot wise, it there's I'd say it goes on to do what it says it's going to do, and there's not that much that surprised me about it. No. It's a minor thing where I'm sort of like, it happens the way it happens and the way I think it said it was going to happen. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, there's a slight... And it's, it's you know, I don't think the plot led me in suspense. So where it lacks in perhaps overly massive narrative um surprises yes the surprise is more visual intended i mean there's one like, like i said but, but i don't but i don't think it's dune's response or Denis Villeneuve's responsibility to reinvent this no, story no, it's not. adapting a novel from the 1960s before this i don't think it's it needs to revolutionize no. and modernize this type of story which is technically a hero's journey so i can fault it for yeah. that but it so clearly graduates from that criticism I in never, my eyes. i also never i never thought it felt dated and old no. i just i look at this now as a contender of two books oh. To, uh, to, uh, well, two halves of the same story together. That you know, I could see that sitting on my DVD, Blu-ray shelf in the Steelbook, future, steelbook. steelbook. I'm thinking, with a sad one. Yeah, like <laughs> this is, this is probably. I mean, I don't. it wasn't that into the Lord of the Rings, but it's kind of yeah. that kind of seminal moment where it's yeah. like you have, a, yeah. The, the 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 early noughties had the Lord of the Rings, last decade had Game of Thrones, and now we've had Dune. It represents the best of modern sci-fi and cinema and how to tell a story that, frankly, is like an old an old staple story. Yeah, yeah, that's done, right. But yeah. done in a refreshing way that is very interesting to audiences. I do I do stand by. If you didn't like part one and you found it too pouty, too posy, mm. and too Style it too stylish and it wasn't enough for you. I do think you probably won't like Dune Part Two. There's a little less exposition if you if you're worried about that. But the people who didn't, who to me have said I couldn't get into it or like I just mm. didn't really like it. I don't think people are going to have that much of a different experience in Part Two. No, I I agree. Unless those people go back and watch it with subtitles, maybe. But yeah, but but I agree. I had that. a number of friends who said I've really tried. They like tried to watch Dune Part One two or three times mm. at home. Once and so once at home, and they like they just couldn't connect with it. Couldn't get hold of it. Do you also blame that to the fact that people have a smart? buzzing in their pocket while they're watching things. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I I think you have to completely lose yourself in this film. uh, You have to give yourself over for it it to really work. I also think Um, that... I, I, I stand by, if you didn't like part one i'm not going to say part two is going to solve everything for you also if you know someone who's casually like oh i'll go see and do part two i haven't seen the first one but i'll, I'll see it absolutely not this yeah, is a yeah, film totally. you can, there's no way you can enjoy this film. that would be really annoying it's really yeah, yeah it's really you, i'd be annoyed to sit with someone who hadn't seen part oh, one even gosh. if i had just just hit uh, all i would be able to think about is the things that they don't understand about completely. Yeah. There's, there's two and a half hours of information that they don't have totally yeah um but, yeah, really impressive stuff and and Hans him score as well, Can yeah. you just say that the song it's called a time between a time of quiet between the storms it's called yeah. it's, it's like emotive and moving and really swells. Oh. Who else but Hans? but anyway, a bravo i I really I don't have that a lot, and I was really, really impressed and blown away. I feel like I've seen it I, I've had brilliant. an experience, I've had a cinematic it's, experience. Uh, yeah, I look forward to um on a sick day, part one, part two, oh, back to back, yeah. just taking that in for oh. everything that is. Gorgeous. Denis nerve uh, well I there's no doubt he'll go on to do some more. I think he said he wants to do another project and then he'll come back and do I think it's June Messiah. But I could I could wait for the yeah, me- I could wait, it, because because there is a kind of because conclu- it is the end of the book. It is a kind of conclusive element yeah. that means like, oh I am w- happy to wait longer than I would have done between these two films. Yeah. Totally happy for that. I think um, it's like when I saw Batman I was like yes I'll get more and whenever it's ready. Whenever. I you're think ready. they're shooting this year. It's going to release 2025 for Batman. Completely irrelevant. Also shot by Greg Fraser. Mm. But yes. Anyway, look, we'll we'll talk about. Oh, I can actually say one more thing. I'll mm. just say that I've never had people. June part two is the film that that most people have ever come forward to and asked me to see what with you? them. I uh, really. I've yeah. had so many people say to me, "Oh, you still doing part two? Do you want to go see it again? Do you Always want to see?" It? seen it, mate. Yeah, like, oh, already seen it. Yeah. Perk of the job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll do a spoiler cast. Look out for that. And obviously, when the, when it does come out, see it. Let us know your thoughts Absolutely. to at hello at PopKitchenPodcast.com. I will just say due to a slight production schedule, we might not be able to read them out. We won't oh, be able to yeah. read them out next week. And we'll probably only have a few to read out the following week, actually. But we will get to them. So if we'll you're probably... listening to this when it comes out, get your email in soon. Yeah. If you get your email in straight away when you listen to this, we can, we can get you out, yeah. Um, but but whenever you're listening to this, even if it's two years in the future when the, or five years when the next one's out, send us your email anyway. We'll, we'll read it out. Anyway, look out for the spoiler cast. That was June part two. <laughs> Taking our June hats off for a second now, removing the dust and the sand from Arrakis, we're going to now answer yeah, some emails. spice out, you know, just... Yeah, just <laughs> did the it out. out. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about your emails now. We're going to read some through, which we'll be talking about some of the recent films that have come out, films mm. we've covered in the past few weeks. Um, first of all, we have an email... <clears throat> from dan dan writes a he- into hello at just like you can and dan says hi dan. lads sorry that was a partridge thing dan, dan. <laughs> hi lads dan from dot 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 wales here if you know episode 110 oh, friend of the show oh hi. i wanted to ask you both if there are any films you've seen that you enjoyed but you know you'll never watch them again the reason i ask is that i recently watched kevin costner's dances with wolves and nice. i loved it I was ill with the flu whilst watching and an epic western just hit the spot for me at that time. However, despite how much I enjoyed it and appreciate that it is a good movie I don't think I'll ever watch it again. I can't place why but I've actually experienced this with other great films such as The Godfather and Zodiac. Interesting. Most of the time, we say we'll never watch certain films again because they were bad. For example, Unimagined George with Five Nights at Freddy's. Yep. But I think it's interesting to hear about good films that people only tend to watch once. Keep up the good work. Dan from Impossibly Long Welsh t- Town Name. We try We, we, we can't. We can't. <laughs> um we, It's an interesting one. There's sort of films that you, uh, yeah. Usually you, they're if they're too disturbing. So it's like disturbing, I don't know if uh, I, uncomfortable. I don't, would I watch Hereditary again? Oh, oh, the thing is, chart. you and I love films so much we probably would be open to watching most things, but uh, I see, uh, I setting I see aside bad ones. But any things that I've seen that have been so bad so disturbing. It's like it's almost like the zone of interest is something if I never saw again, I could I could I could be content with that. Mm. But if I saw it again, I'm I always think that if you see something again, you're always gonna get yeah. something out of it though. Yeah. I just like a recent. The second example. time is the true viewing experience it's for a movie. <laughs> No, no. I sound like I was like, yeah, yeah. You said it all the time. I, I wanted to be like, yeah, you said you, you that recently. With, I know, but yeah. this is what I yeah, saw. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch films with subtitles. Yeah, I know. Yeah, fucking 170 episodes. Yeah, yeah the short, trilogy, yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. I. I don't. I don't think I can think of a film. I see what, what you mean by New Zodiac. From Valentine. That was a movie I saw, and I was like. That's fine. Don't need to watch that again. That was yeah. uncomfortable. I, I wouldn't even put Zodiac on there. I, got, I get why. I would, I've would mm. i seen it once. Would love to see it again. Yeah. But it's a bit of a, very d- dark. a big rich meal. It's it's very long. It's very dark. It's very unpleasant. It's violent. Speaking of adventure, like Gone Girl I've seen once. No, and I that's a really long film. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's just it's such a big Would I watch ask. The Killer again? Not right now. But then no. who knows in the future? No, I'd like to rewatch will. The Killer. I'd like to rewatch Sorry, The Killer. Dan, I don't, if I, I don't know if we do feel that way. I'll have a think, but it's a good question. It's a good um, theory. It's a good concept, Dan. Stay with it. Next email. Next email is from Benjamin, who says, First time ELO, many time listener. Hello from New York. They say if you can make it there, you can, you make, can make it, it anywhere. anywhere. Much love from across the Atlantic for you two. Your humor, your thoughts, your pod. I've really enjoyed listening to your episodes over the past few months, trying to catch up on older ones while listening to the new stuff. I like to think Benjamin is tucking into a New York Slice with, with some He's earpods I in. I can hear the, the sirens. He's there in the, in the window of a deli, yeah tearing down. Rain. A little bit Blade Runner. Maybe the rain's powering oh, yeah. down. He's got Seen some noodles. There, the Seen. Seen. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, firstly, I've just finished listening to your <laughs> We sound talk. like we've never been to New York. <laughs> yeah, <it's not. laughs> And the camels that walk down the street yeah, yeah. It's terrific. It uh, personally, I've just finished listening to your thoughts on the zone of interest. Mm. I finally got to seeing it yesterday at the cinema, but after much anticipation to see it. Check out RV if it, you haven't already. Yeah, uh, but after much anticipation to see it, I personally was turned off by the film. Okay. I completely agree with the discourse on the phenomenal cinematography and the soundtrack as a musician and conductor myself. Oh, cool. However, for my taste, I felt the movie too often was trying, maybe unintentionally, to humanise this horrible person and his family. The scene that especially mm. felt this way was the one shared down on the dock. Are we meant to feel bad for the wife who doesn't want to move? I thought one of the great redeemable characters in the movie was the mother-in-law and the quiet resolution of her character. I respect Jarl's thoughts, but can't say it was an angle and a topic that I cared to watch a film about. Uh, before I move on to the next topic, do you want to just ask, talk about that i I, I do disagree yeah, Ben because so. i I really never got that sense at all, and then obviously we had the privilege of hearing from Jonathan Glazer afterwards but yeah. um, I, on your point of some people not getting what they want from this film and not sort of receiving it in the way yeah. I think I think we did. I totally understand it. We have referenced it being a film that feels like a museum exhibition piece as yeah. cinema, but for us that oh, that's just I know that 's just the bachelor thing museum exhibition piece as cinema, but for me, that's that that provided a huge impact as an experience I've not had in cinema before. So I massively praise it for that. Yeah. Like so we I, both I, have friends that have said they have not quite able to connect. Yeah, film. I also I, I do think that I don't think even without seeing Jonathan Glazer's Q and A afterwards. I don't ever think that he was trying to humanize those characters. I think that it, scene it, in the dock as well is is yeah, it is, it, just clear to it, like revealing who those characters are. Your discomfort, Benjamin, at having those characters talk about something as mundane and as domestic. Yes. as where moving. are we going to be? is kind of the point because Jonathan Glazer is trying to show... uh, The whole film is juxtaposition. It's trying to show how this grotesque domesticity... And, like, I I don't want to spoil the the film film for people who haven't seen it, but the last moments of... The one of the characters in the film one of the last scenes in the film is so purposefully n- uh, uh, w- without resolution, without yeah. clarity that's not the role that this character plays it's here to make a very distinct point and if you've seen the film you know what that, what that moment is but t- totally fair for you to feel that way uh, Benjamin's next point is, secondly, I must say I bounce around listening to certain chapters of your pod as I'm someone who doesn't like to hear reviews or watch trailers before seeing a movie, as I find them to, be- to begin to sway my opinion before I've had a chance to make That's my fair. own first, which I totally agree I do yeah. the same thing. I appreciate hearing the buzz and I'll of course read a snippet for what it's about but, but, but many trailers reveal way too much nowadays mm-hmm. and reviews set up much. Uh, that's oh, it's not a question, it's just a point. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Lastly, a question for, for y'all. I love hearing you both take time to mention the scores for some of these films. Mm. Do you have any off the beaten track favorite scores or ones that the general public may have forgotten? I would throw out as possibilities as Fumio Hayasaka's score to The Seven Samurai, Joe Hisashi's score to My Neighbor Totoro with songs by Azumi Inu, or even Ryuchi Sakamoto's score for The Revenant. Apologies. <coughs> the long email and all the ramblings um but thanks to letterbox i've gotten extremely into film and i've watched more movies than the previous 10 probably hope to hear from y'all. cheers benjamin um you're very kind off the beaten track score i really like harry escott's score for shame it's one of my favorite films but haunting and very, very overly dramatic considering the setting uh I, I'm not an unknown film but james newton i'm not an unknown, unknown composer but james newton Howard's score for the village is Stunning. Oh, yes, you can yes, listen to yes, that yes. on its own and it's brilliant. Abel Korosinski's score for nocturnal animals, mm-hmm. especially at the end, the track table for two. Mm. I love. And uh underrated Henry Jackman's score for X-Men First Class. Wow. Not an unknown film, but amazing. Uh mine it would is the, is of the film uh of interest, is the is the zone of interest. It's Mika Levy. Her score yeah. for I, I think after it came out of the zone of interest, I was like, wow, she really is actually one of the most mm. interesting uh composers in working in film her score for under the skin yeah for jackie for monos for i think she even did a little bit i'm pretty sure it's her that does it for eighth grade she says yeah. that the pool party that's you know the, the, mm. that strange south i'm pretty sure that's mika levy and yeah. um the, the work she does in the zone of interest is incredible so it's good. it's it's like soundscapes but it works as music uh and mika levy is wow yeah this next one is from Tomas who writes in and says, Hello guys, hope all is well. Big fan of the podcast. You both, you've both have inspired myself and my friend to start our own film podcast together. Hey. We just hope we can be good as good as you both of you. Sometimes. not too good don't need the competition my question is with the new dune <laughs> no, good luck I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah good luck good luck go for it uh, my question with the new dune film coming out soon i've wondered if any of you have seen Denis nerves film incendies this is not the first time en we've Sandi. heard incendie which is not the first time people have written about this uh, i watched it last weekend and i was truly stunned by the concept of the story it was devastating and made me realize that denis mm. is probably the best director working today if you both have seen it i wonder if you could maybe review it for the podcast as not many people have seen slash talked about it thank you and keep doing a great job guys um, we definitely want to do that and Love actually we to. might make a concerted effort to do that because we had an email last year from someone who wrote in very passionately about why on is such a good film yeah. um we'll definitely check my it quick out. answer for a lot of people when people are like who's doing really exciting stuff in cinema right now i'll go Denis Villeneuve is one of the most exciting directors working you should definitely go and uh, i can recommend so many of his old stuff his current stuff yeah. and just you have this i think it's very um mainstream appeal to his films i don't think that yeah. makes them lesser as a director <laughs> uh emmy writes in about london films and says hi george and james your bonus episode got me thinking about what films are quintessentially yes. london for me we touched we about, this about this before uh Struggled if i'm going fairy tale london i'd have to be the og mary poppins, mary poppins. with poppins. julie andrews uh a fish called wonder and with nell and i are very london to me interesting sure. about with nell and i because that's only set in london in like the first 20 percent and the last 20 percent. Yeah, yeah. uh, i think all very london to me if i'm after tower block Slightly more gritty London, 28 Days Later. And a nod to the eating classic, The Lady Killers 2. Smoggy London never looked cosier. Love the show. Emmy in Brighton, not London. Yeah, Lady Killers. Great film. The original, not the Coen Brothers remake. Thank you, Emmy. This next one is from Suzanne. He says, George and James, I'm appalled. Oh, okay. yeah. First time emailer here. Love the podcast. Avid weekly listener. But I just spat out my chamomile tea on my cat when I heard that you'd both never seen <laughs> Twister. I can't imagine this cat <laughs> <with> like... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Question mark, exclamation mark. How old are you both? I'm 34 and I'm sure you are closest to my age. It's one of my all-time favorite nostalgic movies, the type that I watch hungover on a Sunday, eating 99p ramen. I've probably seen it 40 plus times. Wow. It is the ultimate nineties disaster movie with the most incredibly haunting sound effects that to this day ring in my head whenever I see a storm brewing. Helen Hunt is an absolute babe, wearing no makeup and rocking a tank top for the entire thing. Philip Seymour Hoffman is basically a stoner with the most hilarious, terrible one-liners. I've not seen it. Uh, I still quote them with the right people to this day. Obviously, the special effects are awful, but it was 1996, so they are actually amazing. Come on, if you know, you know. And if C.O.W., come on... C O W, if you know, you know. Yeah, it's about there's a famous CGI cow again. Oh, cow. Anywhere. If you know, you know. I thought it was like, come on, what? Well, what's yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the top of it off, you've got Billy P being classic suave Billy P, the icing on the cake. Nothing gets hair out of their face quite like that man. R.I.P. What a legend. Get it watched right now. Pretend it's 1996 when you do. Thank me later. P.O.S. Of course the sequel will be terrible. I don't care. I'll still watch it. Anyway, love the podcast. Love both your takes and everything you talk about. Keep up the great work. Love, Suzanne, a Scot living in Verona, Italy. Nice. Um, it's, um, Suzanne, uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to see... First I, of all, we're um, 29. We were yeah, two years yeah, old in 1996, we're so we're doing, sorry. Yes, obviously, yeah. we have seen films <laughs> yeah. from before 1994. but <laughs> Yes, we're 29. Yeah. Um, yes, I would like to do... I'd like to see if all the reasons Well, we should do uh, Top Gun Maverick. We should watch the original yes. before the all new right. one. We'll do a little we'll bonus on it. We'll do that. On we'll do that. Yeah. I will um, say that, um, obviously... Philip Seymour Hoffman, great, uh, one of the greatest oh, actors of everything. all time. So good. Greatly missed. And I actually love Bill Paxton. I really do yeah. miss him as yeah, well. Yeah, he's really good. Um, and Helen Hunt is also You a know gem. what Bill, it's one of my favourite Bill Paxton roles, is in True Lies. He's so Never funny. You Never should watch seen, True Lies. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's still good. If someone could write in, and if they've seen True Lies recently, I could confirm that that film's as good as I think it is. I might watch it soon. Like P- do it's that. like Pete it's like Pete Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis and Bill Paxton in a really funny role. He's good in Edge of Tomorrow, Bill Paxton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, good in Edge of Tomorrow. You know when Tom Cruise is like "Sergeant, you're an you know, he's like, yeah. you're an American, right?" He's like, "No, I'm from Kentucky." Yeah. <laughs> anyway uh adam writes in friend of the show adam writes in and says madam webb is the film of 2024 last week good. we didn't review madam webb but a good friend of the show totally henry needed. calvert re- reviewed it for a us. a review lies Spotify. there for you yes if you need it um adam says hi james and george george and james i normally write in about great films i've seen this week though i took a knock i decided to go to an eight forty p.m screening of madam webb <sighs> surely it couldn't be that bad lads It wasn't total trash, just mostly. Mm. Adam Scott was fun. The second act um, began to be quite creative. However, the first act was incredibly jarring and the third act was tackled in about three minutes flat. Watching the trailers beforehand could be likened to the wait before an injection Walking through a cobweb would have been more stimulating. I left the cinema with a stone in my shoe, and that was a more pleasant experience. I like that. You've you've got like three one-liners there, Adam, and you've got I'm going to give you all three. Yeah. <laughs> you've got you've got like the the injection anecdote, yeah. the, the the stimulant. One. Oh, great, I love it. Uh, I really don't like hating on movies, but there's hundreds of people involved, and yet this one, uh, when there's hundreds of people involved, yet this one simply was misguided and misjudged by Sony. Hope you two and the other sirens are doing well. For a Madam Web, I mean Adam Web. No, just Adam. You know what Madam Webb needs for me to engage with it? It needs, which it doesn't happen anymore. It needs to just be on TV. And I'll oh, be like, yes. oh God, Madam Webb And I'll yeah. fold my arms and like, I'll stumble across it. Maybe it's only just started yeah, five yeah, minutes yeah. in. And I'll sort of watch it in that totally non that That's what yeah. Madam Webb needs for me. And I I unfortunately don't oh. really like flick through films. But that, that's the only way I think I'd engage with it. I think we had uh, emails about this, but that is something we've lost. Just totally. When you stumble across a film. Yeah especially when they're easily accessible actually. and it's films you'd always go and oh, watch this has been on for 10 minutes on channel 4 I think I'll wait amazing yeah, yeah I'll watch this yeah you you call your sibling like, yeah. oh look what's on yeah, to, to me is... like if National Treasure was on that was it that was my night okay the, I, I, I'm gonna have to go and see this film because you've just you talk about <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if you I'd had, love had National like, Treasure. like a, a National Treasure tattoo on your bum or something like like <laughs> <eye>. <laughs> sorry um, but, but it'd be funny yeah. um, anyway last one is from Declan who writes into the show I don't know Yes. Oh, with more, Madam Web. And he says, Dearest Sirens, and of course, James George, let's talk, Madam Web. Controversially, (gasps) I liked it. Yes, let's get straight to the point. I think I quite like the fact that it feels like an early 2000s Marvel film. There's something nostalgic and simple about it. Probably too simple. And yet they do still struggle to make the film make sense. Can I just say, I've seen clips from the final action scene. Bear oh, in mind, I've not seen this film. And it is set, the action scene is set on the Pepsi-Cola sign. You know, in New York, oh, on the Hudson or the side of one of the, I don't know I don't know where it is, but like the Pepsi-Cola sign that looks out to the water. The final action scene, again, I've not seen the film, is set around the Pepsi-Cola sign. Isn't that just shameless? Cynical, shameless. The most, like, I've seen some shameless yeah. product placement, like the Transformers cause light or Bud Light, yeah. whatever it is. But like, that is just The movie so, air. The movie air it's <laughs> just so soulless <laughs> as an oh. exercise to be like, where are we gonna set our- I'm actually getting that cool as a writer. You need to rewrite this to yeah. revolve around the Pepsi. Yeah, hi, uh, the guys in Pepsi have had a phone. <laughs> they're and paid for Dakota uh, yeah. Johnson's salary. Why is, why is Robert Downey Jr. here? Like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're paying for Well, our... We we're, we're actually got a call from Pepsi, Mr. Nolan here, sir, <laughs> scrap that idea. Okay, go back to it. <laughs> Anyway. anyway. Celeste O'Connor but we're back on Duckin's words. Celeste O'Connor was absolutely hilarious in a good way and I found Dakota Johnson was quite funny even though sometimes that didn't always make sense for her character. The villain is terrible with every scene of his feeling generic and the same. I think you didn't need three spider women one would have been enough you do only get flash forwards of them in their costumes and they never get their powers which is a huge mistake oh, from the st- sorry if this is Spoiler minus spoilers, people as i would have loved to have not been baited into thinking i'd see some spider women in action for more than 30 seconds each visually i quite liked what they were going for with an interesting web-like vision of madden webb seeing seeing the spider verse or what i think could have been just a reference to it i do like these characters but i'm excited that potentially some of these actors could be brought back for a much better movie But because their potential is there, just not capitalised on in this film. Don't get me wrong, in all caps, it's a bad film. (laughs) But I like to be able to see where the potential was to tell a good story and focus on what works, which is Celeste O'Connor, the times we do see superpowers in action from the Spider-Women, the character of Madame Web, and and her powers are struggling on because of much better film, they could be something special like they are in a 90s cartoon. The film is bad, but there are things to appreciate. It's definitely better than Morbius, and dare I say, I loved it more than the Venom films too. Not saying much, I know, but still. There was a good film in here somewhere, but if you're willing, give it a chance by going in and having expectations that are the lowest of the low, and maybe you'll find aspects you liked or could appreciate too. As always, much love to you both. You're gorgeous being, making this planet a beautiful place to be. All the best, Declan. Declan... Thank you for your very diplomatic and even-handed and fair approach to a film it's that nice has otherwise it. been savaged by critics. But I do hear in my right ear, Henry screaming. Yeah. Uh, it was the worst film uh, I've uh, seen. And I've <laughs> seen many bad superhero movies. <laughs> Henry, uh, we Henry, we love you. <laughs> um, uh, I, I almost yeah. like, Declan, I'm happy you got something enjoyable from it, but I'm almost like, is that the bar for... Uh, I'm not convinced even by your words... That 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 constitutes also, something that's worth watching. A mass mass multi million dollar budget movie made by Sony. So Sony. Sony. <laughs> made by um made by Sony at Sony. Yeah. Is um why does that deserve such a um uh what's what I'm looking for? Does uh, an olive branch? Uh no yeah an olive branch. Why does that deserve such an easy not an easy ride or like uh, um benefit of a doubt? <laughs> Yeah, you know, smaller films don't get this benefit of dub. Films with lesser budgets, fewer fewer money, fewer, fewer stars behind it. Yeah. You know, they don't get that chance. So why why be so kind to Madam Weber Even though I really appreciate our diplomatic. Some like of the comic book films, it's like you've done 35 of these yeah you've you know how to make these films we've seen you make them good yeah how can you i know that's something that's different from others but like in general we're like how are you still writing the superhero films like this if not yeah. as a cynical exercise to extract money from an audience it's not a student film no 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 anyway. no no no. well guys there you go those were the emails we had today uh, we still have plenty <laughs> more to get through please send in your thoughts as always to hello at podcast.com. we will continue to read out your reviews your questions your concerns on the show but let us move on to the games. Yes, let's finish with some games. Okay, George, as always, Pop Kitchen ends... With a game. With a game. Today, we're redoing the game you gave me last week. You love Castless Countdown. Yes. This is the fast, quick-fire version of yeah. that game. You have to guess the film from its cast. But I'm only going to give you three of the cast members of the film more prominent Supporting and leading. And you have to quick fire, tell me with only three cast members which film I'm talking about. Okay. Please play along at home if you can. George, are you ready? Name the film from these three actors. Ready? Three, two, one. Christopher Walken, Sean Williams Scott, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Welcome to the jungle. Yes. John Cusack, Zach Efron, Matthew McConaughey. The Butler? No. No. The Paperboy? Yes. Guy Pearce, Danny McBride, Catherine Waterson. Uh, 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 Alien Covenant? Yes, wow. just got it. Forrest, Whit- Forrest Whitaker, Christian Stewart, Jodie Foster. <gasps> Flight plan- f- Panic Room! Yes, yes. <laughs> Brian Cranston, Julia Roberts, Tom Hanks. Uh, Larry Crow? Yes! That's round one. Those were real... just on the edge of getting you there and you oh. were sort of in the director for a <laughs> lot of... My Mind Palace. Flight Plan is a good association. Yes. To the, yes. room. the standalone Jodie Foster thrillers. Jodie Foster's on g- a plane I've with seen her daughter. And, and she I, goes s- missing. The daughter yes. goes missing on the plane and the bad guy is Peter Sarsgaard. Oh, spoilers. And, no, he, he's the oh is that a spoiler maybe i don't think so okay well, he's the threat presence the, in the movie yeah i think it is it post 9 11 film uh yeah but it's yeah yeah it's, it came out in 2005 i want to say um jodie uh, foster and she's good she is good in everything jodie foster is good in everything i'm learning that okay are you ready for your next round hit this me very well I tickled you there. I tickled you. Oh, it was fun. Do you like the Alien Covenant one? Yeah, this guy Piers really throws you, but he is yeah, in he that. Is. At the beginning, is he or yeah? Is some some of the Wayland. That's Prometheus. He might be. In, I think he's in a different bit in Alien Covenant. He's in. Yeah. He's like this old rich guy. Is he? No, hang on a minute. Yeah. I don't think he is in an Alien Covenant. I think he is in Alien Covenant. Yes, he's at the beginning. Yes, he's in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah go. Yeah. Ready? Next round. How'd you get on at home? Name this film from just three actors. Ready? Jessica Alba, Chris Evans, Ewan Griffith. Uh, it's uh, the Fantastic Four. First OG Fantastic Four. Leslie Mann, Ewan McGregor, Jim Carrey. Ooh, I Love You Philip Morris. Yes. Eva Mendes, Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell. The Other Guys. Yes. Bradley Cooper, Miles Teller, Jonah Hill. War Dogs. Yes. John Malkovich, Tilda Swinton, Francis McDormand. Uh, burn After Reading. Yes. John Malkovich, Kurt Russell, Mark Wahlberg. Kurt Russell, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Uh, You've seen this film. You like this film. New Uh, uh, Kurt Russell. John Malkovich... Kurt Russell, oh, uh, well, Water Horizon. Yes, yes I forgot John Malkovich yes. in it. With a you totally accent. forget John yeah. Malkovich in that, a good John Malkovich in that Deepwater Horizon. Yes, thought. but doing a dodgy accent. He's yeah. meant to be doing Cajun or something. He kind of keep goes digging for around. the. The oil is not coming, and up I want it dug for the thing. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he says. I'm just, but it's I'm just okay, I, I want it dug. <laughs> I, I want you to Drilled. keep dilly- digging. D- <laughs> Why is there no oil on my platform? I he doesn't get roster. nearly. He doesn't get made fun of nearly enough for th- being Pascal savage and Johnny English. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that, he just totally gets away with that. But I assume it's because back in America, no one watched that movie, so no one yes, could be like no John Malkovich. Mal- yeah, I think also it's hard to tease Oopsie. John Malkovich because yeah. he would just sort. Of, he, he can stare you down. Yeah, he He's can't tease him. He just he'd, he'd he'd just be resilient to it. Welcome on the show anytime, John. Love John Malkovich. Well, there you go, guys. Those wow, are the games. Yeah, I some good some good tickles in there, I, uh, and and, clean, and a clean, clean, clean of health one. from thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Uh, if you've just joined us for the first time, please go and check out our other uh, film reviews. We review films every week. But thank you. We post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday, and we also post bonus episodes that comes out later in the week. Every, as we've mentioned, this week's bonus will be a spoiler discussion about Dune Part Two. It. It's good. Go and check out our, our other little. Praises and mini gripes with with specific things to do with the plot, but uh save it until you've seen the film. And many of you follow us on social media and discover our show that way, but please continue to do so on Instagram and TikTok. We uh post many things. We post content that we do not film on this show. We post Mm -hmm. our film bites, our interviews with other film creators and film people in the industry about their film choices, they're great fun. Do keep following that us and as ever guys, please like, subscribe, share. Tell people about it. Be like, "Wow, June Part two. Do you know why I really enjoyed about June Part Two was the pulp kitchen review? You yeah. can check that out. Obviously. Part of culture, Link. really, aren't we? We're just um, in, immeshed. Uh, rate us on on your, on your app Absolutely. that you listen. If you're listening to us. Rate us if you're watching us. Like us, and it, if you it just are, helps us grow. as we said before, you know, someone in a position of power to yes. make things happen to force people to watch our content. You know, that's always good. a classroom, a, a lecture hall. Uh, if you're the headmaster at a school required yes. reading yeah um, maybe yeah. if you're one of the interstitial an- announcers on the BBC you can just like plug our show in this it's is like, the BBC oh, we need to oh yeah yeah if you yeah. do the do the, 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 the things yeah. just wire us in yeah, yeah. Kensington 3625 loads of, loads of shows are coming off the air now they've got nothing to put on TV there's no money hey put us on hey, hey. anyway have a great week guys see you next week bye bye